Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. You know, the fall will be here before you know it, and the temperatures will start to drop and get a little bit cooler. So swing on by Leon Tailoring to get you something warm that will not burn a hole in your pocket. Maybe it's a nice little bit of a heavier jacket, or maybe a heavier blouse or skirt, or no matter what it is, maybe a nice sweater. No matter what it is, you can get it at Leon Tailoring. Get it ready-made or custom-made or tailor-made. Just go on in, tell them Abdul sent you, and they'll take care of you, and they'll be happy to do it as well. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. Senator Kreider calls Senate Bill 1. Clerk will read. Senator Kreider to present the bill. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you to uh, the Senate, all of the uh, co-authors that I have on Senate Bill 1 and for the many discussions that you have facilitated between yourselves and local officials in your communities as we discussed a path forward for this issue. And also, uh, Madam President, I appreciate your strong advocacy on this issue. I can't think of a single issue that affects more of our constituents than the issue of their mental health, and I certainly appreciate your involvement. I'm keenly aware that I'm not a mental health professional myself, and so I seek out the guidance of providers in that space who are on an annual basis. It was during one such conversation in the fall of 2019. Um, to be honest with you, I was really frustrated. Um, I lost another acquaintance to suicide and uh, I was discussing with them the fact that we weren't seeing very much progress in this space and I really would like to see uh, something improve. And in that discussion, they said, how about creating a behavioral health commission? I said, let's do it. So we put together a bill that I filed in 2020 that started us on this path, began this discussion, and um, Senate Bill 1 is kind of the outcoming of the Behavioral Health Commission report. We all know that towards the end of that session, we were beginning to hear about things like COVID, and, and so I wasn't sure exactly what um, kind of results we would get out of the Behavioral Health Commission, but the work that they did is really outstanding. And, and one of the things that I'd like, I put a handout on each of you's desk that, that kind of demonstrates or gives you some additional information. But one of the things that they did as part of that uh, research was they commissioned a study by the Fairbanks School of Public Health at IU to look at the, what the cost of untreated mental illness was around the state. And the top page of your handout kind of shows uh, what that study revealed. $708 million in direct health care costs, $106.4 million in non-health care services, $3.3 billion in indirect costs for a total of $4.2 billion annually. And so it's pretty easy to understand how the business community and the, the faith community and everybody that interacts with the public has, has expressed interest in this particular bill. One of the uh, recommendations of the, of the report was we move more towards a certified community behavioral health model for the delivery of services. And if you look at page two, you can start to see what other states have, have recognized and realized as they began to work through this process in, in different ways, unique ways to deliver services 
to the folks that find themselves in crisis. And one of the things that's really been a game changer is the mobile crisis response teams that are going out and directly interacting with the public. And you can see, you know, really outstanding results as a result of, of taking care of people in the community and trying to keep them from ending up sitting in emergency rooms or for sure making sure that they don't end up in the, in the criminal justice system in the county jails. And so this model shows a lot of promise. One of the other things that we did was look at, uh, and another aspect of Senate Bill 1 is looking at expanding the 988 crisis lifeline. In the first six months after that lifeline was instituted uh, at the federal level, um, 988 suicide crisis lifelines received over 1.7 million calls, texts, and chats. And that's nearly a half million dollar, or a half million more calls than they had under the old 10-digit um, lifeline law. And so people are recognizing the convenience of dialing 988. The fact that they can use text and chat is a way our younger uh, constituents like to communicate, and so that has been a, a critical as aspect of this. The federal data shows that the Lifeline responded to 154,585 more contacts in November 22 than the same month the year before. And so that aspect is improving. Another thing that happened as, as resources have flowed to that uh, lifeline uh, process, we've seen call waits drop from three minutes to about 36 seconds. And so people are being connected to, to services more efficiently. That's another important piece of this. And, and we're very hopeful that as we move forward, things like a, a bill that Senator John Ford and I had a couple years ago to ask schools that uh, produce IDs for their students to put that lifeline law on the IDs. That will help our young people who are finding themselves in crisis. And so um, Senate Bill 1 contemplates that FSSA will apply for federal demonstration grants through SAMHSA and CMS to really begin a conversation and changing the way we fund and, and reimburse for the services that are be provided in, in these crisis situations. Those kind of things make perfect sense. Eventually, Senate Bill 1 contemplates that in 2017, um, FSSA will apply for a, a plan amendment, a state plan amendment that will kind of formalize that discussion, help us better provide services to our constituents in crisis. And so there's a financial aspect to this that makes sense. If it was only a financial discussion, it would make sense to move forward with Senate Bill 1. But we all know there's a huge human cost to untreated mental illness. As I listened to Dr. Box and, and uh, former Senator Kenley talk about the Health, public health discussion, one of the things Dr. Box mentioned was for the first time in our history, we're starting to see life expectancy decrease. And a lot of those folks are in our working age 
population. Well, it, it keyed a, a memory for me, and I went back and, and began to look at uh, the documents on my desk, and I looked at the overdose uh, suicide fatality report from 20 and 21. If you look at the, the data in this uh, report, you'll see that between suicides and overdoses for 20 and 21, we lost 7,016 of our constituents across the state. Dramatic uh, loss of, of folks. And, and as we have these uh, separate conversations around maternal mortality and infant mortality, um, I can tell you that about 80% of the mothers that pass away prematurely are because of addiction or overdose. And a child that's born with fetal alcohol syndrome or addicted to some street drug has pretty poor chances of making it. And so um, the human cost to this discussion is just immense. One of the really sad things is you look at subsets, populations like our veteran community. The loss is incredible. Uh, in that same year, 344 of our veterans died in, and you know they died at their own hands and that's, that's just unacceptable. Because I'm chairman of transportation, I wanted to look and see um, what kind of data we had connected to traffic accidents, traffic fatalities. In that same year, there was 860 uh, traffic fatalities. And my, wonder, my question is, what would we do if our traffic numbers were equal to what we're seeing for suicide and overdose? we pretty much pull out all stops. And so this bill really kind of begins to formalize a process. It's pretty simple in its, on its face, a place to call, somebody to respond, and then a safe place to go and receive treatment. If we can do this well, it's my thought that downstream the savings are going to be immense. We deflect people from the emergency room Senator Johnson and I were having a dis discussion about his experience in the, in the emergency room. I can tell you from my experience in the emergency, emergency room, these folks sometimes sit for hours, even days, waiting for uh, a bed to open up someplace. And so Senate Bill 1 uh, gives us an opportunity to move this discussion forward. Um, you're probably getting contact from your constituents about the fact that there currently is no funding in the bill. Um, I want to say up front that that's simply the Senate's way of doing business. We typically take out the funding and, and that goes on a list of things that will be contemplated at the end of the budgeting cycle. But I'm confident that we will come up with a funding mechanism that puts Indiana uh, in a solid place to address these needs going forward. This issue is, is probably one of them that um, has captured my attention more than any other. Um, I've worked on this issue for a number of years. Many of you have worked alongside and filed your own bills and, and attempt to help. This is a first step, I think, 
in revising the way we do business in this space. Certainly not the last step, and there is no single thing that we could do that's going to fix all the issues in this complicated discussion. But this one, I think, gives us the very best opportunity to move Indiana to a better place in taking care of our folks who struggle with this very, very difficult situation. So I know um, I didn't remember to say anything about Senator Sandlin. He has traveled to other states. The court system has been very supportive in trying to find uh, solutions to this challenge. Uh, and, and, you know, it's really, if there ever an issue where it takes a village to address it, this is one of those issues. So I'd certainly um, be open to any questions, and I appreciate your support of Senate Bill 1. Discussion, Senator... Um Senator Zayden, Senator Kadura. Senator Zayda, question the author. Do you yield, Senator Kreider? First of all, thank you very much. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you very much, uh, Senator Kreider, for bringing this forward. And just your passion, which I share. I, I reflect on our summer meeting with uh, Superintendent Mark Daniel from Fort Wayne Community Schools, where we we covered the mental illness and the, and the intersection with schools, which is why I've been offering bills for six years now on school-based health clinics, school-based um, um, care, and, and how we can merge those and protect families yet uh, still have that access point. So a big part of your bill, I think, is the um, certified community behavioral health clinics. My question is, is there anything in relationship to that and being in or near a school? Can it be? Could it not be? Yes. It, it, um, one of the things that they are available to do is help schools. Um, there, there's actually, as you're aware, a couple sessions ago, we did a bill that encouraged schools to develop a memorandum of understanding with the, their local community mental health center. Um, Really, the goal of the CCBHC model, though, is to expand the capacity to serve all of the various needs that a community might have. And so an opportunity perhaps to help with folks who are uh, in the K-12 education space. Of course, the, the law says, and I've worked hard to make sure that parents have to consent to all that treatment and make sure that the parents are involved in those decisions as to what is delivered in the education space. But but ultimately, as we move forward in this, I, my goal is to have a capacity to provide all the needs that a community has. And, and one of the aspects of this is a community needs assessment will be done to try to determine where each community, some communities may have a different need than, than the other. And so which targeted goals should they approach first? No, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think even being from my rural communities, that may be a capacity to kind of have that joint um, option where it would be school, it would be community-based. But the things that I ran into on my bill that actually got um, amended out this year was that parental consent. And I didn't see exactly where that might fit in in your bill and how we're protecting families and how we're protecting parents in relationship to these community block um, mental health centers. Well, I can, I can show you the, um, an example of what 
guidance that FSSA uses um, as they interact with schools. If I can find it here, I've got so many papers. Uh, I'll, I'll take your word for it as long as it's being considered as a part of the broader legislation. I get this is um, a lot of it is a framework, and I just want to make it clear publicly that uh, we need to keep families and parents and guardians front and center to make sure, particularly these mental health services, are not encroaching um, when we talk about HIPAA and healthcare laws and we talk about education, which was the genesis of the bill that uh, I just brought forward in seconds today. Um, and, and in reference to that, and, and the concern is, one part of the bill on page three references the uh, Safer Communities Act. And I think that's a lot of um, intentionality of where funds and where ideas are coming forth. But to build on my concerns, in that piece of legislation, a 32-page bill, students is mentioned five times, schools 51 times, and consent is only mentioned once, and parents is only mentioned once. So it is clearly incumbent upon the state of Indiana to make sure that those protections are in place as we move forward, particularly with sensitive legislation like this involving mental health care. I need to know what is being proposed. I need to be a part of that development of my child and that mental health um, acknowledgement, both in the suicide concerns that you speak so well of that are also a component of this bill, as well as general mental health. So I look forward to continuing the dialogue with you. Sure. I know you're sensitive to that. That's where our conversation was with uh, Mr. Um, Daniel this summer. Right. And second of all, and, and lastly, is data collection and reporting capacities. Senator Brown had a huge bill on data and data collection and all that. We've talked about this ad nauseum in this body and, and through time. It is easy to de-identify data and download it in bulk, but the problem is there's a 97% success rate in re-identifying that and knowing what people's health records are. So we have to be critically important in managing the data that goes in and out when we're talking about some of these um, compilations of data. I understand the importance of it, but it's also important to make sure that it's not re-identified because families should not be discriminated in any way based on what their health and um, diagnostic records are. Is there any consideration of adding more language or more content to, for that protection in this bill? So I would say that Senate Bill 325 that I did um, a couple years ago uh, clearly identifies the need for a school to segregate that information and keep it separate from the students' other records. Um, FERPA and other federal regulations kind of contro control a little bit what happens in that space. So I don't see Senate Bill 1 as operating to override any current law that's currently in place. I think Senate Bill 1 is intended to begin a, a further discussion. And, and of course, I'm, I'm open to um, trying to figure out ways to strengthen that if that's necessary, but I, I think the law is already pretty clear, and I can show you the memorandum of, of understanding that uh, FSSA gives to schools if they're going to operate in that space and, and even offer services with the consent of the parent. There are very strict guidelines as to what you do with that information and how you isolate it. Right, and, and I, I want to be crystal clear. I don't I don't berate you, I don't question your intent sure. at all, but we know how sometimes intents and realities become too, right. too, 
two uh, different things, and these are two critical areas I want to keep an eye on as we go forward and bring a little emphasis today by bringing to your attention. Okay. But thank thank you. you for your continued advocacy. Know that I'm a partner in that, and you know I am and always will sure. be. So thank you very much, Senator Kreider. Thank you. Senator Kadura. Senator Kadura is recognized to speak on the bill. Thank you, Madam President, members of the Senate. I first want to thank Senator Kreider uh, and my colleagues, Senator J.D. Ford and um, Senator Eddie Melton. This past weekend, uh, we spent time together with almost 600 members here in Indianapolis who attended from across the state of Indiana, representing clergy, community advocates and organizations almost from every single community from every corner across the state of Indiana. We heard powerful testimonies that brought many of us almost to tears. And I'll share a couple of those with you to tell you why I strongly support this legislation. Probably have met with the Mojer family and in the Appropriations Committee and other committees where their son was killed a few days before his 40th birthday. He struggled with mental health issues. His wife called the police. Within two minutes upon arrival, he was dead. We heard the story about the two young sisters. Woke up in the middle of the night, was concerned, looking for her dad, went downstairs, downstairs in the living room and found drugs hidden in the couch. Unfortunately, the dad lapsed and used, used drugs in a household where he had minors. She was scared. She ran back upstairs to her sister. Her sister, her older sister told her, go put it back where you found it. Don't speak about it. And she took her sister and ran down the street, four homes down to her grandparents' home, knocked on the door. Grandparents opened the house, opened the door, and tried to take care of these kids. And she prayed, the grandma prayed for God to help her to take care of these two young kids. Fast forward, that older sister that tried to save her younger sister was found unconscious after she tried to take her own life away by overdosing and consuming pills. She tried to protect her younger sister. She couldn't protect her own self from the stress and the issues that she was dealing with. We've learned about the veteran who served overseas in Iraq, married with kids in his household, came back. His brother in service hung himself in a jail cell. And that veteran who testified couldn't take it because he lost his best buddy, his best friend. So he struggled with mental health issues and he had loaded yet locked guns at his home and he contemplated suicide multiple times. His wife called the police, they showed up and when the veteran testified this past weekend, he was crying on stage, made most of us cry when he described how his little ones had to witness their honorable dad who served our nation be handcuffed and walked us out of those doors by police officers because he needed mental health service and there was nowhere for him to call or to go. Too many stories. I don't want to not lose sight of 
our amazing Lieutenant Governor, who testified in the Appropriations Committee about her own losses, her own family struggles with mental health issues. And I did lose my brother-in-law. He was killed on the hands of a, of a person who had substance use disorder. Unfortunately, in too many cases, one person on this side of untreated mental health ends up in a jail cell, and the other person ends up in a casket. I think it's, it's, it's important for us as a state to recognize that as leaders, we should take a stance to one, end the stigma about mental health. Mental health is no different than our physical health, and we cannot separate both. And second, we publicly committed to funding Senate Bill 1 because people want a phone number to call, which is the 988 system. And they want someone to answer to offer help. And they want a place to go to to seek and receive help. We fiercely support Senate Bill 1. And I want to thank especially Senator Kreider for his leadership on this even before I even got elected. I've learned about his amazing work on the mental health crisis in the state of Indiana. So friends, I urge you to support this bill, and I hope that we can collectively support the funding that comes with this bill in the future. Thank you, Senator Kreider, and I always will rise in support of this bill. Thank you. Senator Randolph. Senator Randolph is recognized to speak on the bill. Thank you, Madam President, members of the Senate. Um, I rise in support of this bill. Um, I think all that needs to be said has really been said in terms of that. Um, um, mental health is an issue that has been a crisis in our, in our community and state and country that has been unrecognized for years. One of my, my slogans I have is that a long journey begins with the first step. I think Senator Kreider had mentioned the first step. And maybe we will end up going to the end of a long journey with this first step in terms of this bill. Uh, and I'm speaking personally, I've had a sibling who had a mental health issue who's passed now. I've had a cousin who had a mental health issue. They've recovered, but there's still medication that's going on and everything. Uh, Senator Kreider put down a, a bullet point um, on everybody's desk in terms of the mental health issue, in terms of economic situation. If you would look on that, it talks about approximately 22% of Hoosiers experience mental health illness each year. 22% of Hoosiers. We've got six and a half million Hoosiers in the state of Indiana. 22%, that's a large number. It also says that half of the Hoosiers, 52%, have serious mental health problems that go untreated. That means that we've got neighbors, relatives, cousins, friends, who have mental issues, problems, but we don't even know about. And a lot of them are scared to come out of the closet because they think it's embarrassing, that they think it's a stigma. And we have to, as Senator Kreider had indicated, to let them know it's not a stigma. They should not be ashamed. They, in order to get a treatment, they've got to make it known. Before you can deal with a problem, you have to recognize that it exists. And once we recognize it exists, then maybe we can do some conduct, some actions, some things in toward curing it. And I want to commend Senator Kreider for staying on top of this issue. And maybe we, as a body, can be as serious about this issue as Senator Kreider has been 
through these last few years that he's been working on it. So I support the bill, and I want to thank him for staying on, not just initiating, but staying on top of it. And I want to indicate to the body that it can happen to anybody. Like, I'm, I'm a witness. Like I said, it happened in my family, and I strongly support it. And Senator Crider, I thank you. Senator J.D. Four. Senator J.D. Four is recognized to speak on the bill. Thank you, Madam President, members of the Senate, and I'll be brief. I know a lot has been said about this, but I do rise in support of Senate Bill 1 and um, also want to thank the Lieutenant Governor for, for talking about your sister. Uh, the first time I heard you tell that story was at the AIM dinner a couple years ago, uh, and to see you say that uh, again in front of the committee was just uh, very gripping. Thank you to Senator Kreider uh, for your leadership. I think you've become the mental health champion in our body, which um, I'm, I'm so proud to have partnered with you on the Behavioral Health Commission. And um, really my vote today uh, is for all the hard work uh, that those folks did on that commission. Um, I do wanna thank Senator Sandlin also because uh, he helped put together a mental health summit last October, which I attended. And there's a lot of good frontline first responders uh, that are doing some amazing work in our state, and Senate Bill 1 really is the building the infrastructure uh, for that. Uh, you know, mental health really can be a silent killer in our state. Many Hoosiers sit in isolation and in darkness, and Senate Bill 1 will bring them out of that. Um, basically, it's very easy. There's three things with Senate Bill 1. Someone to call, someone to come to you, and a safe place to go. This will be transformational in our state. We have the opportunity to do some really good stuff for Hoosiers today. The Indiana Sheriff's Association knows that their jails have become pseudo mental health facilities. And former uh, Boone County Sheriff Mike Nielsen um, uh, agrees with that statement. The Chief Justice of our state reports that up to 80% of Hoosiers that are sitting in jail today have mental illness. So um, I don't wanna belabor the point because a lot has been said. Um, I really think this is a really good piece of legislation and I support it, thank you. Yes, Senator Alting to speak on the bill. Thank you, Madam President, members of the Senate. I, try, I will try not to repeat everybody and. J.D. Ford, that was absolutely right on the spot of what you said. I also want to thank Senator Kreider. If there's one thing that I respect so much about him being such a great legislator that we all obviously can learn from, including myself, and that is persistence, persistence, persistence. He's been fighting this for so many years. Ladies and gentlemen, we're about ready to make history for some of us that's had the privilege of sitting in this, these seats for a number of years, we've seen the discussion on mental health go from very, very little to being Senate Bill 1. And I want to thank leadership for putting that as a priority for the Indiana State Senate, Senate Bill 1. If someone would have told me 20 years ago, that would have been Senate Bill 1, right, Mike? We would have just laughed at him. Senate Bill 1, history's going to be made. 
It's an epidemic today. That's why it's one. It's everywhere. In 92 counties, this may be the only bill that every legislator in here, from southern Indiana to northern Indiana, it affects our constituents. It has no barriers. Voting this bill out today isn't good enough. We got a chance to make history. I respectfully ask you that when you cast your vote on this, you think about those 355 men and women that went and fought for our country, for the freedoms that we have today, and what we're about ready to do, and yet they come back to the greatest nation on earth and commit suicide. They survived the tragic war, but come back to even a bigger war with mental health. What a shame. I want you to think not only of the over 7,000 Hoosiers that committed suicide, but also think about their families, because every one of us knows of a family that has lost a child in mental health, if you think about it, every one of us. And some goes back for 20 years in my life, and they grieve just like it was yesterday. I ask you to think about, put a picture to this, to that man or woman that's going to sleep underneath that bridge tonight, or that veteran that's on the park bench today. Put a picture to them, and let's send a message out for all Hoosiers in Indiana that the Senate voted unanimously on the biggest mental health bill that has ever been before the state Senate in the history of the state Senate, that we're sending out a message that we love you, that we support you, that we have compassion for the loved ones that has been left behind, and we're trying to make a difference in those people's lives. I ask you to vote unanimously for this great bill. Thank you, Senator Kreider, for your dedication and all the members of my Democrat friends for all the work that you've done on it also and everybody in this room. God bless. Thank you, Madam President and members of the Senate. Senator Sandlin. Speak on the bill. Senator Sandlin to speak on the bill. Uh, thank you, Madam President, members of the Senate. Uh, we've had a lot of discussion here today. I appreciate everything that's been said. Uh, you know, I have a friend that lost her 29-year-old son uh, within the last month. Uh, it was an overdose addiction, but he was fighting the demons. He couldn't get control of it. She exhausted everything that she knew about, but there were not the resources that she needed uh, to get her son engaged. This bill will go a long way to address issues such as that in our state. Um, you know, Senator Kreider, thank you for your hard work on this. And, uh, you know, as, as we go forward, let's don't make Senate Bill 1 the stopping point. Let's make it the start. There are other things to come, other things that need to happen. Uh, you know, uh, one of my county coroners uh, said that the under 30 deaths that he's having in his county are almost 100% drug overdose deaths. It's unprecedented in our state. We have things to do. Uh, we have parents, I have parents, you have parents 
that have said, well, you know, I'm concerned about this bill and, you know, how are the schools going to engage with my children? I think those protections are in here, but let's be vigilant and make sure that parents are engaged because parents need to be engaged, as all of you know. Uh, thank you, and I'm going to sit down because all that other stuff I've got on here has been talked about. Thank you, Madam President. Senator Melton. Senator Melton's recognized to speak on the bill. Thank you, Madam President, members of the Senate. I just want to rise briefly and just share in, in comments with my colleagues. Again, I want to thank Senator Kreider. Uh, even before I was a senator, uh, the first time I met Senator Kreider was in my district. Um, and again, speaking on behalf of this issue and topic, and that was almost eight years ago. Um, I had the, the blessing to, to sit next to him on the stage this weekend as we stood before uh, over 600 individuals that Senator Cordoris has mentioned. <clears throat> Mental health is, is a real thing. Trauma is real. Poverty is real. All of these things impact the mental health of individuals throughout this country and throughout this state. And I think we also should take heed to what uh, my friend Senator Alton just said, is that passing it out of here is not enough. Uh, the next phase of it is make sure it's fully funded uh, in a budget bill. And I think that's one of the commitments that I think that we should support uh, moving forward, Senator Kreider and his efforts in making sure that this is fully funded. Yes, the testimonies that came before us um, this during the committee hearings of individuals losing loved ones, the, the stories that we've heard at the convening this weekend are all touching. But I can almost guarantee that everyone in this chamber has a story or has a loved one that we can connect and identify with, if it's not ourselves. And I will say this uh, individually. Oftentimes in some certain communities, especially in our community, in the black community, talking about mental health is taboo. You don't touch it. You don't talk about it. And even as a, as a man, we don't want to talk about the issues internally that we face with. I look at this bill not just as a monumental piece of legislation, but as an opportunity to start greater conversation with our loved ones, asking our children, are they okay? Asking that simple question could start a conversation at the dinner table or in the, in the bathroom or in the hallway, just asking, are they okay? Um, and, and I just, um, uh, again, I thank everyone that signed on to this bill. I thank you, Senator Kreider, Senator Bray, for making this a priority uh, for this chamber and hopeful that we will get the full funded mechanism that moves forward. Thank you. Senator Becker to speak on the bill. Thank you, Madam President, members of the Senate. And thank you, Madam President, for speaking out in support of this bill. And I want to thank Senator Quieter uh, for continuing his efforts. I will tell you, I've been here 40 years. And from the day I came in, I was an advocate for increasing funding for mental health. They just patted me on the head and said, don't worry about it, Representative Becker. And so I am very pleased to see that leadership has made this a priority. It's something that so many families have struggled with, so many people that are not, that are single, that are married, that are divorced, uh, that are older, younger. It 
it, it goes through all socioeconomic backgrounds and all financial backgrounds. And so I'm pleased, very pleased, and very supportive and glad to see this bill here today. And I want to thank leadership as well as Senator Kreider for their perseverance. Further discussion? Is Senator Bassler to speak on the bill? Thank you, Madam President. Thank you, fellow senators. I will not be long, but I want to um, I want to mention um, Zach Eckert's name um, in this process. And many of you remember Zach, a wonderful young man. Um, if I recall, I think he had graduated from law school. He's probably in his late 20s, maybe early 30s. He was a Senate intern, and I think he was a, uh, maybe a legislative assistant, and maybe he was on the policy team. Um, had the whole, his whole life ahead of him. You would have thought he was on top of the world. No, I did. Good-looking kid, great smile, good personality. Well, you may recall a little over a year ago, we eulogized him in this very chamber. And so, if for no other reason than for Zach, I love what we're doing today. And there's a lot of Zach Eckerts in the world. And this will go a long way to help him. So thank you, Senator Kreider. Further discussion? Senator Kreider, would you like to close? Well, <clears throat> thank you all for your comments. And um, I would say that I've got my own stories. And one of the reasons I care so much about this issue is I grew up with a sister who was bipolar, and I got to watch the impact that that had on my parents. Um, have a cousin who hung himself after years of addiction and challenges. And so it's impacted me in, in personally, and, and uh, I, I worked for several years running the security department at a hospital and got to watch families struggle through these situations. I, uh, I mentioned at the beginning of my presentation that I was upset when I talked to the folks from the mental health space about the suicide of a friend. And um, in January of, of 2019, we had been to a holiday party and, and uh, just a bunch of guys sitting around, the mayor of Greenfield, the chief of police, uh, Representative Cherry, myself, the county commissioner, and a couple of businessmen. And, Brad was one of those guys that was in that group, and I drove him home that evening and dropped him off at his house, and as I was leaving the house, I was thinking, man, this guy has got it made. He's my age, so he's early 60s, and, and he was beginning to turn his business over to his sons and lived in a beautiful home on a golf course, and all the way to his house, we made plans to go to his farm in Kentucky and shoot guns and ride ATVs and fish and do all the things guys like us like to do and just drove away thinking, man, this, I mean, he's got it all. Two days later, he drives down to that farm and sits down next to a tree and ends his life. And um, so this bill's for Brad. Thank you. The bill is placed on its passage. The machine is open.
Machine is closed. Clerk will tie the roll. Roll call shows 49 ayes, zero nays. The bill has passed. Shall the title of the bill remain the title of the act? And your house sponsor? Vermillion. Representative Vermillion. Nagel. Angle? Nagel. Nagel. I'm sorry. Representative Vermillion and Nagel. Secretary, notify the House that the passage of the bill. Continue the roll. Senate Bill 7. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.